This podcast was produced by Sean Weston Media. Welcome to episode 27 of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. It's another season of interviews about how modern professional people work within modern media. In today's episode, Justin Crosby and I talk about, among many things, the effect of COVID-19 on the TV industry. Justin is founder of Boom PR and has an impressive resume of roles across a number of high-profile PR firms. We'll find out about his telecast podcast, what he thinks of Netflix, how we consume media, the challenges of producing a podcast, and the new opportunities that lurk around the corner post-lockdown. His advice for aspiring PR professionals borders on the unimaginable. Can you envision using an iPhone to actually make a call? Without further ado, I bring you Justin Crosby. So Justin, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Sean. So you're a PR specialist and you work specifically in the TV industry. Are you exclusively in the TV industry? I am, yeah. I set up Boom PR about 10 years ago and uh, I, I was fascinated by lots of content creators who were uh, basically the buying and selling of television is something that uh, I find fascinating um, on a world market level. So uh, I set up the business 10 years ago purely to be a B2B specialist within the TV industry. And it's uh, it's been an amazing 10 years. It's been really interesting a bit of a roller coaster ride um, as television has changed. It's changed so much, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The entrance of uh, of the SVODs, the likes of Netflix, Apple, Google, social media, uh, how that's changed things, uh, advertising industry, how that's affected um, uh, commercial broadcasters. And obviously now, you know, the last three, four months, the pandemic is also yeah. shaking things up massively. So um, it's been a very eventful 10 years uh, to say the least i imagine now you're based at elstree the famous elstree film and tv studios studios as well aren't you what what an office that's right it's uh it's it's great being there it's uh uh it's always there's always a surprise when you come out the door i remember uh, uh a few months ago wandering out to get a cup of coffee and uh, and seeing a load of horse guards going past you know because they they film um uh, the crown there oh the, the crown of course yeah yeah, yeah. can well, you imagine though can you imagine though if you'd set up oh, i don't know 30 odd years ago so probably 40 odd years ago now and seen indiana jones or superman walking by or star wars or star know? wars indeed yeah yeah. yeah yeah no it's a fascinating place and um and actually there's there's a whole load of uh new building going on there uh which has been announced they're building a, a couple of huge new sound stages there um and also sky uh, are also building a huge new studio complex just up the road from there as well. It's an interesting market. They're just a studio market in its own right uh, within the UK because there's a massive shortage of studio space. And that's going to be really, really interesting for the drama part of the TV industry in the next few months as, as production starts again because, you know, there's going to be a huge backlog of production and everybody looking for sound stages. Yeah, absolutely. Does that does that help your business at all, being in that location in terms of networking, meeting people that you wouldn't normally meet? You know what? I, I thought it might when I moved in. Um, and actually, you know, but it wasn't the sole reason. Uh, geographically, it, it worked. Um, but I thought it was an, kind of a nice added benefit being there and that I would bump into people. But 
No, you don't. You don't. I don't tend to find there's 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 a massive uh, advantage of being there, other than it just being a an interesting location with lots of creative people. Now, now, some of your history, you were previously uh, um, working with some big names as well, weren't you? In terms of Taylor Herring, MSNL. Mm. So your passage, your your personal uh, passage through pr and, and comms is is quite exhaustive isn't it it's it's quite full yeah cake group i think kazoo communications but yeah. am i right in saying that that early on before you really found this niche in tv industry were you around video games and that that sort of thing that's games right industry? yeah can I mean, you tell us a little bit about that of course yeah i mean going going way back um yeah my first job in PR was a, uh, a a very short period of time at a company called Bis Lancaster, where I've uh, I, I met uh, a few friends uh, that I uh, still in contact with to this day, which is which was uh, which is great. Um, then I uh, I've always been involved in entertainment in some way throughout my career, uh, and it's been the the one constant really. So my first I would say my first proper role within PR was. A company called Kazoo, uh, and I think I was the fourth full-time employee there. Uh, I spent four or five really happy years there, and I left. There was about thirty of us. Nice growth. Uh, so it was, you know, it was, a, it was a explosive period of growth, uh, really exciting. And and uh, and we, at that point, there was a few different agencies that were. I suppose you'd call them youth marketing or, or, or youth PR agencies, and that was Cake kazoo and slice i think the 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 three companies were at the forefront cake were were the or was the biggest um uh and and slice were a little bit bigger and and sort of kazoo was a little bit of the upstart but we 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 worked with some fantastic clients and 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 brands in those days i was uh you know really exciting to work on the first xbox console and and lots of video games for activision uh so so overseeing all of their consumer PR campaigns and that that really took me forward into working with entertainment brands on a on a larger scale I left there to to work at a company called Cake where I handled the music sponsorship for Carling when Carling was a huge sponsor within the mm-hmm. the music business and that was that was great they sponsored Reading Festival and I had a, a an amazing brief in the in the year or two that I was there which was really to um you know here's a pot of money Let's uh, let's build up Carling's association with music and, and create some really interesting and, and credible events. And uh, you know, be t- going to see Carling sponsored ACDC shows, uh, Travis, uh, you know, The Darkness, lots of different shows. Were, were, you essentially had your black card. You could get behind the scenes of pretty much every every top uh, yeah, musical act. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was great. It was really really interesting time and uh, a music sponsorship was was still really in it in its infancy back then so uh and we, very new for carling i imagine that that link it was yeah and i think that um they were moving more out of football at that point and more into music uh and since then i think you've seen o2 really you know pick up the mantle is really been one of it. the one of the major music sponsorship brands so so that was that was a, a really interesting time and then really when i i started to get involved with TV was uh, my time at Taylor Herring, which uh, I spent two really happy years there. 
they've now moved a little bit away from pure TV and much more into more of the stunts and brand entertainment and taking consumer brands and making them famous. And they do a brilliant job at that. So in in terms of that that link then or or staying staying up to date with older industries because i i find this quite difficult i i was working in food and beverages for seven years and you become immersed in it don't you yeah but i find it hard to stay connected so then after after food and beverage i worked in financial technology for five or six years how easy do you find it to stay up to date with your older industries or do you just kind of have to let go i mean what do you know about the games industry now that's a very good question i take most of my knowledge for the games industry from my son who's a a fortnight (laughs) fortnight nut now um and i tell him oh i used to you know i used to i relaunched lara croft and but he doesn't care does he he kind of looks at me and you know (laughs) just complete disinterest really but um i you know to be honest the tv industry keeps me pretty occupied uh, Mm. when it comes to focusing on one business because it's huge and it's very very varied am i still up to date with the games industry no i'm not but you know i i I still find it really interesting when we when you're coming up to a new uh console cycle we're going to see two huge consoles later again xbox and playstation launched later on this year so that's always a you know a a really interesting time in the evolution of the games industry Mm. um interesting player you know players coming in with uh, google and it's just another industry that's been disrupted and yeah. uh, there's there, there are some really interesting developments there but I'm, I'm i can't claim that i'm sort of really on the button with it anymore it's uh, i spent you know probably about six or seven years really really immersed in it and uh and uh, and, and that was a great time but i sort of moved on a little bit from it Well, let's talk about disruption again because we've had a lot of it lately. Let, let's face it. So, COVID nineteen. Now, not long after the lockdown, you started a podcast called Telecast. So, what sparked this initiative, and why a podcast in particular? Hmm. Well, it's like everything. You know, you have a list of things you really want to do, and when you're working in client services, you have to put the client first the vast majority of the time. And really, you know, I'd always wanted to do a podcast because I, I, I think that the medium's really interesting. It's something that it's really flexible. You can listen to a podcast when you're doing the gardening or you're driving down the motorway or as we all are now in lockdown, you know, sat in, your, in the office and you can pause it when a call comes in or you're doing a Zoom or whatever. So I just I've, I've, I feel the medium's, you know, really flexible and it suits itself to a more informal kind of conversation thank you for endorsing all of this this, this is my <laughs> life you know. <laughs> uh, no you know and and uh, i thought now i've got a uh, a, a surplus of time really i mean the whole tv industry has paused pretty much in terms of the production side of it you know you you're seeing production you can't make tv shows at the moment in in the main i mean there mm. are some shows being made but under very strict conditions i can imagine but you know one of the main issues of that is insurance at the moment so if there's another peak of covid and you're in the middle of a tv uh, production you essentially lose all the money uh Mm. so it's it's a it's the government really needs to look at that and unlock the tv industry again 
uh, by underwriting those uh, uh, those productions because uh, uh, until that happens, it's too risky. I mean, you wouldn't go into hundreds of thousands of pounds of uh, commitment by filming a TV show without knowing that, you know, if you have to stop halfway through, you're liable. You know, you, you wouldn't do that. Nobody uh, would do that. Mm. So the whole TV industry certainly in the UK, is is pretty much on ice. It's starting to open up a little bit, little by little. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see that unlocking a little bit. So it, it left me with a lot of time because most of my clients are, uh, are producers from right across the spectrum of television production. So natural history producers, factual producers, drama producers. And so I had a bit of time and I realized that over the years, I've made lots of great contacts and met loads of really interesting people. Time to give them a call. Who were pretty, yeah, who were pretty senior. And the great thing about an industry like the TV industry is that many of these people are opinionated. You know, they're they're not afraid of sharing their thoughts and their views and their in, insights. So that was it. Yeah, got on the phone, and um, it's, we've had a, a fantastic range of guests so far. Um, podcast going really well we're up to about uh, number 11 uh, this week was the with the 11th show so um and it's really great fun and it's really odd, odd being on the other side of the mic sean <laughs> telecast is a podcast we should let the listeners know that covers tv industry news doesn't it it's, it's that niche that that you're in right now yeah will it have the life after lockdown who knows what the normal will look like but when things start approaching um normal uh, service as the tv industry might say will you still be running telecast do you think or, or do you think that's that a good question um, the poss possible uh, access to guests might be in short supply well i think you know in the 10 short weeks that we've been running the show it's it's certainly gained a lot of momentum we've uh, we've got listeners in over 30 countries now and i think the feedback that i'm getting from the listeners is they really like the style it's an hour-long show. It's really conversational. It's it's a news review. So we talk about the different developments in the TV industry over the past seven days. So I always I asked guests to choose one or two news stories that they found interesting and why. And that could be anything over the last few weeks from, um, you know, the BBC and its role in public service broadcasting and how important that's become over the last uh, last few weeks. Yeah. Um, Netflix doubling its subscriber expected subscriber growth and Disney Plus launching now from nowhere coming to 50 million subscribers globally it's incredible, isn't it? yeah. so the, the, you know the, so there's been no shortage of really interesting things to talk about black lives matter yeah. um and a huge um upheaval will it carry on after lockdown uh, i mean i hope so i hope so too i've become a fan actually oh good yeah. oh thank you well um yeah, I mean it's 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 something that I really enjoy doing, and I think it's 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 the same as everything. You you've got to evolve it a little bit. I think uh, it might be slightly different in in approach uh, as we go forward. What what's been great, uh, and lots of people. I'm not you know there. Mu I don't know the numbers, but there must be a huge burst in podcasts launching over the uh, <laughs> over the uh, over lockdown. What's been great is that the guests, you know where they are. You know, they're, yeah. they're, uh, they're going to be at home and, and, and everybody's schedules uh, have opened up a little bit and people are feeling a little bit more, uh, you know, happy to share, share their thoughts and insights at what is a, uh, a pivotal time in the industry. So 
Um, hopefully, you know, we, we'll have we'll have, we'll got to get to the point where we've got a uh, you know an engaged international listener base, which I think we've 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 got already, and and hopefully that'll take us on if we we change things and adapt to how people are going to consume media going forward. Once people go back to work, maybe I won't keep it in an hour. Maybe I'll you know maybe we'll pull it down to sort of thirty or forty minutes. Which you know, when we we think people will be back on the tube or doing their usual sort of half an hour or forty minute type commute, well, the listeners will decide. I'll look at those uh, subscriber <laughs> and listener numbers every week, and if it starts dipping, then uh, then I'll I'll bow out. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants to overstay their welcome. So tell me about your personal and practical journey into podcasting. Are you, were you tapping into new skills, or have you been learning the ropes of audio production for some time? No, it's, it's completely completely new to me <laughs> and uh, i realized that uh you know using i'd had a mac macbook air for years and i've been uh, i built the company on on mac but you know realized that i've been using about 10 percent of its capability literally just email and, and and the basics but um but when she start, started delving into it and and actually what was really interesting was the theme tune to the uh, to telecast was written by uh, a neighbor of mine called Dave Turner and the the voiceover was done by Megan Clark who yeah. lives opposite me and her <laughs> husband Dave is a drummer so we all came together and I said you know I'm thinking about starting a podcast um because I play bass as well so it's like you know what should we you know fancy putting a tune together and um and we did so that was a kind of fun little thing on a neighborhood uh level to do and we also did that remotely and uh and that introduced me to garage band because i thought how the hell does this thing work yeah. and once i started uh, struggling with that then i thought okay well right how do we record it and i spent loads and loads of time on websites like buzzsprout which have been fantastic you know in terms of uh, uh, uh getting the knowledge from there i was just complete novice and learning as i was going on and you know i realized okay i recorded an hour's worth of content need to edit it now the first the first show took me i think it was about 16 hours to to yeah. edit which was uh, a bit of a disaster <laughs> i was uh, i finally put it live at five in the morning going, I, I can't do this every week uh, i've now got a a, uh, a fantastic editor uh, a guy called ian chambers who's helping me out with, and, and and sort of giving me a day a week back essentially so um no it's been it's i've been a complete novice learning on the job but it's it's been a lot of fun well, thank you for letting uh, uh, listeners, perhaps potential future clients for me, understand how hard it is to actually put a podcast together. It really is, you know. <laughs> I think people think uh, any creative endeavor really is is easy. You know, I've I've worked in offices before, and sat on the same table as designers, and I've heard people come up, "Can you just?" you know, whap something together for me. Oh, I'll need it in 30 minutes. And the designer sat there thinking, do you know, that job would take three hours, yeah. four hours of my time. Yeah. How, how on earth am I? You know, there's an underappreciation for creative endeavours sometimes. Isn't there, there is, there is. And I think that a lot, of that that's also, to a certain extent, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but uh, fueled by these um, the services like People Per Hour, uh, whereas you know you, you're an hourly, it's twenty pounds, and and you can get a fantastic, you know, you think you can get a fantastic designer in Hungary or somewhere to to put a logo together or 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 whatever. I mean, 
the reality of that experience is slightly different. Uh, yes. But um, yeah. you're absolutely right. I think uh, creativity is often massively overlooked and uh, under underappreciated. And uh, and I think that you know that applies to anything, whether it's whether it's PR or or design, graphic design, uh, sound design, anything like you know, it's 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 a skill that's learnt. And honed over time, and once you become a practitioner of that, you know you have somebody who's perhaps not involved in that. Maybe they're a salesperson coming up and said, "Right, I want this, and I want this now, and I want it in this way." And it's like it doesn't quite work like that. But yeah, uh, it, it is underappreciated, and, uh, and and you know, and and I'm really hoping that uh, the the changes that uh, that COVID nineteen is bringing about will you know, will help with the appreciation of, of skill because there's, there's actually going to be a lot more, certainly a lot more freelancers, uh, uh, you know, uh, as companies, unfortunately, are going to be shedding jobs in the creative industries in every industry. So hopefully people that are forced to go freelance will be treated with, uh, you know, the respect that they deserve uh, and their experience uh, uh, deserves. Let's come back to something you mentioned uh, um, at the beginning of our conversation, and it was the likes of Netflix and, and Apple TV Plus and, and those guys, the online, the YouTube and everything. How do you think has uh, the creative media industry has changed over the last couple of decades? And obviously those guys are involved. Well, uh, I think the main change has been the way that we consume um, the way the way that TV is produced, but but also the way that we consume it, and the binge element of media consumption um, has had a, a obviously a massive difference. Um, I mean, we used to have box sets when it came to VHS and all the rest of it, but um, uh, it's kind of return of that uh, that binge culture, which is which has uh, had you know a massive effect in, in terms of people being able to consume what they want when they want and that's very much yes. how how, how the, the the balance has changed rather than you know being essentially forced to watch a linear schedule so you know enjoying a show and then ends on a cliffhanger and then you've got seven days to wait until the next year i mean actually in many ways actually i think um i think there is something to be said for that linear Schedule, for example, I mean, the, the, the example I would give is I'm a huge fan of Better Call Saul. The way that's played out is 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 one a week. And actually, I quite quite enjoy that. So it's you know, something on the linear schedule to look look forward to. But equally, yeah, I think that's 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 the main change is that um, not only the way that we consume, but also producers have been able to really hone in on niche audiences and create content that works for audiences in the way that they live their lives, whether it's on mobile or whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, on laptop or however they're consuming it. It's, mm. it's the methods of consumption and, uh, 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 and the type of content being honed towards that has, has been really interesting to see. So from a PR perspective, how has PR changed because of these changes in, in how we consume? Well, again, I mean, it's really media outlets and the way that you break a story now, um, you have got different options rather than in many ways it's, it's kind of similar. You know, print media used to be the uh, dominant media uh, and the way that uh, uh, that people used to break stories was either on a daily or a, or a weekly basis. Now, obviously, you can, um, you've not only got online media, which is by far the dominant medium within TV industry uh, circles, yeah. but also social. 
um, and all the different aspects of, of social media. So I don't think it's necessarily changed in terms of the way that you advise clients and the way that you build influence for clients. I don't think there are really there've been that many new outlets that have developed over the over the past five years or so that have been particularly influential. But it's just the new cycle of sped up a little bit, and you, now you can be mindful of how you break a story. And when, and you can time it to the minute. So if you want to hit, if you if you've got a story and you want to influence Hollywood TV executives, there's a way there's a way to do that. And timing is important as well as the story as and as well as the channel. So you can be you can be much more strategic in terms of how you announce a story and how and what's really interesting is is now you can it's much easier to to draw that line between public relations, driving stories and also the business outcome of that, which is always a little bit woolly, but I think now with digital outlets you can you can you know join those dots up much easier and often it's lit, you know it's 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 as simple as your client telling you i had you know 10 calls from really influential people in hollywood on the back of that story that you announced last week which then opens up new conversations with them and that could be a huge investment that could be a co-production on a big new drama show so that's exciting and that's that's really what what keeps boom going you know as a as a as a really interesting business to to lead that satisfaction when you help clients win commissions sell their shows sell their businesses and that's 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 really why i focused on the tv industry and 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 working on small and medium size clients businesses as clients really because you you know you do really get that satisfaction when you when you make a, a discernible difference to your clients businesses through through your efforts and it's you know it's hugely satisfying is there a typical day for you or is it, is it very changeable each day so in other words what, what are your own day-to-day challenges as as an entrepreneur as, as the leader of boom um well i think this year more than any other uh, you've got to be flexible, uh, and I think that in many ways, and it sounds slightly perverse, but I've I've actually enjoyed the change that lockdown has brought uh, uh, brought along. I think um, working from home has its own challenges, as as we see <laughs> every day with with kids walking onto uh, TV sets yeah. or <laughs> or interviews. But um, what I find really interesting is that you know the 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 industry when it stopped in uh, in February. March that was all it's I almost see that sort of look back at that and it's like pickled now I see that as almost like a freeze frame and I know that you know when we get rid of this dreaded virus or or we adapt to live with it as is probably most likely that industry is not going to be the same and that ecosystem is not going to be the same and it's changing and it's going to change that that period of change is going to really accelerate once the government's job retention scheme finishes in in October. So unfortunately, you know, without wanting to be a harbinger of doom, but, you know, this is going to be a really tough winter, this this winter. It's going to be a lot of redundancies. There's going to be a lot of big, recognisable companies going down and or changing, completely changing the way that they do business. But that presents its own opportunities so my job i feel it is 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 to look at that and think okay well you know we need to change as well we can't i can't expect to work in exactly the same way coming out of this so it's about changing the perception of the business changing what we do what we offer as as services as well so i think yeah you know i think everybody really has to 
reevaluate their business, their offer, and adapt to this new new marketplace, which is is it's going to be really different. It's going to be really different. I think it's accelerated lots of things that you know may, maybe businesses that weren't doing so well. It's probably ex- accelerated their demise. But I think it's also going to give birth to lots of new ways of doing things that um, that's going to lead to their own opportunities and new markets. So um, so my job is to understand what what those are and be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So a last last couple of questions uh, for you, Justin. So. With that in mind, I think I think your last answer is going to inform this one. What, what do you think PR might look like as a career path for young people listening in right now who are aspiring PR specialists? Well, I think that PR has been traditionally really, you know, it's it's been a very specific job path, career path that not many people have had access to. And um, it's a predominantly middle class, white led industry in terms of or, or populated by um by middle class white people and i think that it's going to change and i really hope it does change because i think that the pr industry is led in london and you know as many other industries are its core is in london although there are lots of you know sense of excellence and people doing fantastic jobs all over the country i mean i'm i'm from leeds and i was delighted when channel four decided to uh, to relocate their headquarters up there mm. um and this you know this this movement of wealth out to the, the rest of the country and i really want to see that continue apace and I, yeah cr- creative wealth yeah creative well, wealth yeah. absolutely yeah. so i'm hoping that there's going to be new opportunities for people of all backgrounds to come into the industry much more than there are now and i think that there are some skills new skill sets that young people now can really bring to pr which is a which is content creation mainly um i would imagine the sort of prs that i'll be looking to bring into the business are people that can create and edit content whether that's audio or video be absolutely across all the emerging social networks and having native knowledge about uh, of how to how to um how to work with within all of those uh, social media networks but also, the perfect PR would also be married with somebody that, with the knowledge of email is not enough, of being able to communicate. And I think that's, that's what I worry a little bit about the next generation of PRs being completely focused on email or, um, you know, WeChat or, you know, whatever instant messaging. The ability to pick up the phone and call somebody, it's a real skill, actually, uh, being able to communicate with people on the phone. And actually, there's a bit of an adage that I live by that if you're maybe going to and fro with a client that you're trying to explain your point, a certain point of strategy or a certain way that you're executing something, it's not that easy to do that on email. You need to be quite a skilled writer to be able to get your point over. And maybe email isn't the right way to do that. And I think, you know, the old adage that I live by is, you know, if in doubt, pick up the phone. And it can lead to, you know, so much more, um, su- such a more productive relationship with a client or with a journalist or with anybody that you're engaging. And I think that that's the slight worry is that young people now, you know, they look at an iPhone, <laughs> it's like, what, you, you actually want to ring somebody on it? <laughs> and that's the skill of a PR, really, is communication. It's knowing how to communicate across all these different networks, whether it be face-to-face, whether it be on the phone, whether it be via email or whether it be via social networks or instant messaging, and being able to develop your knowledge to a point where you know which channel to use. 
with which client. And having that mix, I think, is going to be the ultimate PR person of this uh, uh, of the next generation will know how to use those those channels and what content they need for each of those channels and be able to produce that as well. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Justin. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge in, in what is a very niche uh, creative industry that we all consume, millions and millions of us consume it, but know very little about how it works in the background. And, and for me in particular, I think your Telecast podcast is really doing that for me. So, so thank you again. Thank you, Sean. Great to uh, spend some time with you. That was Justin Crosby, and you can find him online on LinkedIn and Twitter. His company website is boomdialogue.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on your favourite podcast platform, or simply share it with a friend or someone you know may also enjoy it. Take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. In the meantime, stay tuned. There's more to come.